Good morning, Christian Renewal. I am so glad to be with you guys this morning and uh, continuing our Faith Over Fear series. Great job, Kellen, for all the kids getting getting in a little Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there for us and their struggle of faith over fear. And uh, we've been looking at some passages of scriptures uh, in this series on faith over fear in 2 Timothy 1.7 and the New King James Version. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind and in that passage in Timothy, Paul is, is admonishing Timothy, a young church leader, to, to reject timidity that may afflict his life and to embrace the power, love, and self-control of the Lord. And we also, in these past two weeks, we've looked at Hebrews uh, chapter 11, uh, verses 1 and 2. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by the people of old received, by this, the people of old received their accommodation. And in the rest of that what we call the Hall of Faith chapter, chapters 11 and chapter 12, we see mentions of lots of biblical heroes that of the faith who did some spectacular things. There was in in that chapter 11 was mentioned Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. Um, then God's the whole group of God's people leaving um, uh, bondage in Israel or in, in Israel in Egypt, and then uh, Rahab and Gideon. Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Then mentioned all the prophets and, and their acts of faith. And then there were some women that were mentioned and their acts of faith. And then, depending upon your definition of faith, there are some folks that they might not be considered great heroes of faith because uh, some were tortured and uh, refusing to, to, to be to, to be released. Um, though they, uh, but they would rise again to a better life. And then others suffered mocking and flogging. Um, it says in verse 36 of uh, chapter 11, and even in chains and imprisonment, um, then they were stoned, and we know that's, you know, the biblical reference of stone, we have stoned to death with rocks, and then we have, uh, they were sawn in two, and um, they actually ended up beside themselves, just kidding. Um, no, in verse 37, they were, they were sawn in two, and they were killed with a sword, um, some of them were killed with a sword, and then the interesting statement here, here in verse 37, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, in verse eight, 38, of whom the world was not worthy. So the, the, this book of Hebrews is talking about the world wasn't worthy of what they went through in their acts of faith. And then, then, then we go on wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, all these people they mentioned in, in chapter 11, though commended through their faith, this is an interesting statement here, they're committed through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Which, again, depending upon your, your, your thoughts on what faith is and where does faith land in the life of Christianity, that these folks who were commended through their faith, in other words, they were faith, they, they walked in faith, they were faithful to God, um, they did not receive what was promised. And then in, in verse 40, it goes on to say, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And then you might, in reading that, might wonder, well, what was that something that was better for us with these people that were commended for their faith? So chapter 12 gives a hint, um, verses 1 and 2, and says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so these, these people, the great cloud of witnesses, these faithful, faith-led people, uh, let us also lay aside, let us, people today, t- this message to the Hebrews, the, pe- the people of to Hebrews and on to today as we are continuing this life of Christianity, says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run 
with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, and this is, this is, this is that promise that they were talking about. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the founder of our faith and the perfecter of our faith. That word founder, when you look at Greek text, um, the, the word um, arachigas, um, it leans towards the definition of a chief leader, the prince, the predecessor, the pioneer and author. So he was the, the pioneer, the prince of our, our faith, the, the chief leader, the, the author of our faith. Some of the, the different versions of the Bible will say the author of faith. And then that word, the perfecter of our faith, uh, comes from an interesting Greek word, um, tyleotes, uh, which is found just once in the Bible. This is the only time it's found in the Bible. And it leans towards these words, perfecter. He's the perfecter. One, and then it goes on to say, one who is his own person raised faith to its perfection. So he's the one who raised faith to its perfection and so set before us the highest example of faith. So Jesus set before us the highest example of faith. If we want an example of faith, Jesus is the highest example and he's the one that perfected us. Now, if he's the perfecter of our faith, that means that our faith is not perfect. We would not need a perfecter if our faith was already perfect. We need a perfecter to make our faith more perfect or perfecter or the perfect I guess, would be maybe another way you would say it. You want the perfect of faith. Um, so, and then Jesus being the highest example, we would not need the highest example if we already were living out perfect faith. And I know... I've run into folks that, that actually believe that they are walking out in perfect faith. But I believe there's a, kind of a tension when it comes to living out your faith in the midst of the fears we face. And I found this interesting quote by a, a man of God, John Bloom. He, he said this. He said, if I feared less, I would love more both people, both God and people. So if I, if I feared less, in other words, if I had less fear, then I would love more both God and people. And here's the interesting part about this. He went on to say, if I feared more, I would love more both God and people. So if I feared more, but he already said if I feared less. So if I feared less, I would love more both God and people. But if I Feared more, I would love both God and people. And what it really depends on, it really depends on what is the object of your faith. In other words, the object of your fear, the object of your faith, whatever whatever the focus of your fear is, becomes the attention of your faith. So you want to answer the question, what is the object of my fear? Because when I fear something, I, I actually have great respect for it. Because otherwise we wouldn't, I wouldn't fear it if I didn't have great respect for it. It, it can take over, it can, and because I have respect for it, it can begin to take over my thinking. And then it begins to rule my thoughts. And, and if I allow it to take over my thinking and my thoughts, it begins to do some damage to my emotions or begins to rule my emotions. So this object, whatever the object of fear is, it begins to deal with my thinking, my thoughts, my emotions. And um, when, I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the first time I was left home alone. Um, I don't know if you get, you know, probably growing up, some of you guys got left home alone. 
And uh, I remember, you know, because you're thinking I've made it in life because I'm going to be left at home alone and I can handle this. And, you know, you're there by yourself. It's, you know, a little dark outside and everyone's gone and you're in the home. And, and then you hear the creaking. And then you hear the noises and, and the, the sounds. And then you, you begin to wonder, well, is somebody in the house? Is, 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 is somebody in here? And then just more sounds and, and then you say, well, gosh, if somebody's in the house, I, I might def- need to defend myself. So you kind of get the courage to go looking around the house and maybe find something to quick, quickly, you know, that you can take somebody out if they're coming after you or something. And so, and then you hear some more noises and you're like, where'd that come from? Are they in the closet? Did they, did they go in the closet? Um, is someone under the bed? Uh, is somebody in the house right now? Oh. <laughs> and you begin to look and when are they going to get home? When, when is everybody getting home? I don't know what to do. And it's just a jacket that was in the corner or, or maybe you see this, this image. And you think it might be someone that's hiding in the house and, oh, it's just, you know, flat out lie. There's nothing really to be afraid of. Have y'all ever had that happen? Maybe you've been there. So much fear, so much anxiety. And in that moment, my first home alone time, my, my mind had fully developed a fearful object in the house that was going to literally challenge my existence. The object of the fear did not exist. But I respected that fear. And I was aware of that fear. And boy, I didn't want that fear to get me. Whatever that object was, I had great faith it was going to harm me because I allowed the fear to overcome me. And I treated it like it existed. And I spent a lot of my energy on the fact that I'm sure that someone's behind that curtain. There's no way someone was behind the curtain, but but for whatever reason, I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. And Have some of y'all been there for the rest of y'all? You know, let's be honest. You've had some moments like that, right? Where maybe it wasn't alone at home, but maybe it was uh, outside of your lonely house. Maybe you had the fear of losing a job or fear of confronting someone who had harmed you or fear of losing a position or fear of not having enough or fear of being alone or fear of being infected or fear you can never change or never change the circumstances I'm in right now or fear of what would actually happen if you did change and how you would live if you did change or fear of sickness or fear of not getting well or uh, this fear of just too much to do and being overwhelmed with all of it and, and what it was going to do to your life or fear of just too many responsibilities and how am I going to handle them all or too much pain. What am I going to do with this pain or fear of a specific person because of whatever it might be or, or, what if they leave me? Or what if they don't leave me? Or 
Some of y'all probably experienced those fears. And some of you in the midst of our cultural situation are experiencing some fears. And I'm going to go ahead and admit, I, some of those things I've just mentioned, I, I've been there. I've been there more than I'd like to admit, actually. And um, I do have a little comment here, that, and this may surprise you a little bit, but I'm okay with it. I'm actually okay with it. Okay with it. Um, many of you know that I'm responsible for a nonprofit organization called Skylark. And Skylark depends on community support. And just honestly, sometimes the funds get pretty tight. As a matter of fact, in my 27 years of working with Skylark, I've gone through some national emergencies and some economic tough times. And the tendency is for, during those times, during those situations, for the funds to really tighten up and sometimes even evaporate um, to the point of almost no existence. And, uh, well, what do you think happens when funds get tight and you're the guy that's responsible? I can go ahead and admit it. There's been times where I've freaked out and allowed the fear to consume me, and I began to respect that fear. And, and, and it became the object of my attention, and I respected it, and I honored it, and, yeah, misplaced faith in this misplaced fear of whether it will be enough funds to provide for my staff and operations at Skylark, it's gotten me. Now, really, really it starts before the money's gone. I don't know if you heard me say that, that I'm responsible for Skylark. Um, and that statement alone, I'm responsible for Skylark, is a misplaced fear, which leads to misplaced faith. In other words, I, I actually had the wrong object. See, if I'm responsible to provide for Skylark, I, I really can't provide for the operation of Skylark. We've got a budget with three locations and 12 nurses. We've got nurses and staff, and it uh, takes a lot of money, and I, I can't provide for that. Um, but when I do think I could provide, or I'm responsible for providing, or it's my responsibility to provide, or in other words, I, my object is not the right object, um, it leads to faith in a misplaced fear. It leads to faith in a misplaced fear. And what I've learned is that that fear, that fear reveals where my faith has landed. And I'm learning that facing such fear, as much as I dislike facing that fear, is what is needed. See, the, the enemy of our soul would like to keep us paralyzed by the fears we allow to grip our hearts. And see, at, at church, at our church at Christian Renewal, we believe part of God's vision is that every person in our church that God wants every single solitary one of you folks that belong to the church and some of you new folks that are, that are watching with us, I'm kind of imagining you're here with me. Um, yeah, I see you back there smiling. Thanks thanks for smiling. Thanks for saying amen. Um, we believe that each of you individually, um, that God has a purpose for you. And because of that purpose, part of that purpose is that God wants you to make a difference because the Lord wants all of us to make a difference. He, he created us actually with, an earning, with a yearning to use the skills and talents that he's given us to 
make a difference. But if we don't know him, and if we've never found freedom after knowing him, and if we've never discovered, our, discovered that purpose, then we can't make that difference. And the enemy of our soul, he would love more than anything to, uh, to allow those fears to become the object of our faith, whatever they may be. And that we focus all of our energy, all of our attention on those things. See, when we are paralyzed by fear, when we are paralyzed by fear, we can't make a difference. Sometimes we are paralyzed by fear because we have never dealt with issues of our past. And uh, as I mentioned, what part of our vision here at the church is we want you to be able to find freedom from your past. But you first, you have, first you have to know him. And then our heart is that you would get in a small group of people where you can discuss the past. Now, the past may be the past past, like 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. The past may be just this yesterday when I blew it. And I was so fearful about something and allow fear to grip me. And I've allowed something that shouldn't have been the object of my fear and faith to become the object of my fear and faith. See, because the object of my fear is where I focus my faith. In other words, if, if Jeffrey's the object of my fear, I'm going to focus all my energy, my faith, my belief in him um, because I'm afraid of him. I'm, I'm, I, I've great, got great, great respect for whatever's causing this fear in my heart and in my thinking and my mind and my, 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 my being. So the object of my fear is where I focus my faith. Now, because of this and because of just where Christianity is, it's very common to think that faith and fear are these opposites that are turning each other. And that's what I love that this, this series has been fear over faith. Not fear tugging with faith, but fear, or excuse me, faith over fear. Sorry, y'all. Faith over fear. Faith over fear. Faith is, has triumphed over fear. But in order for faith to triumph over fear, we gotta have the right object. Um, but there, it's common in Christianity to think that these are, these are kind of in tension with each other. And I, when I think that way, I believe that I should be a fearless person. In other words, there should not be any fear. So it's not faith over, faith over fear. It is faith means no fear. There is no fear. There's, there's never any fear. It's all faith and no fear. And so, um, uh, so there's this tension, particularly as a Christian, when I think I have to be a fearless Christian. Well, that's a question. We, 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 we looked at Timothy and why do you think Paul reminded his young Padawan, get a little Star Wars you see in there, right? His young Padawan Timothy. Why do you think Paul reminded his young Padawan Timothy that God did not give us a spirit of fear? Well, it may be because Paul knew that both he and Timothy knew that there would be moments of fear. Because honestly, if you're going to do something great for God, if you're going to do anything for God, if you're really going to make a difference, it's going to be bigger and wilder and crazier and so unobtainable for me to do it that there's naturally going to be some fear. So the problem is not fear. The problem is the object of your fear. See, um, it's decreasing our misplaced fear 
and decreasing our misplaced fear in the misplaced fear that resides in our heart, decreasing that is what we need to do. In other words, faith over fear. Increasing the right object of our faith. This is why I love the real object of of, of our fear and our faith. The real object of our fear and faith, I should respect Him. I should have faith in Him. I'm talking about the Lord. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about God the Father, His Son, and His Holy Spirit. That that's the object of our respect. Uh, it's the object of our honor. And it should be who we fear, who we respect so greatly that our hearts, our minds, our spirits are so inclined to be focused on Him. Israel, uh, when they conquered the Promised Land, That's one of God's metaphors that he's brought forth to us in the word of God of us fighting misplaced fear that leads to a a lack of faith in God. In the faith, excuse me, in the face of um, battling Canaan's fortified cities and and giants of Israel, this is what the Bible says um, in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord, your God, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. See, they were called to face their fears because it would train them to put their trust in the right hope, in the right object, in the Lord Almighty. goes on in Deuteronomy 6.13 says, It is the Lord, your God, you shall fear. Learning to fear the one right thing, the one right object, would free them, would free the Israelites from the tyranny of fearing fearing the myriad of wrong things. And the same is true for, for me, and it's true for you, that learning to fear the, the right object of our fear will free us from the tyranny of fear in a myriad of wrong objects, right? So, today... If the Lord has you facing some fortified cities and giants of unbelief and you find yourself fearful, hear his words and be encouraged to press on. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, it says, be strong and courageous. These are, these are for you. This is to encourage you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. In the midst of your fear, he will not leave you or forsake you. And turning that fear into faith in him, the right object of our faith. Job Job 28, 28. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. That's what it says. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Have no lack. How about that? You ready for no lack? Fear him. One more time. I think it's great. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Isaiah 35, 4. Say to those who have an anxious heart, a fearful heart, who focused their, on this fear thing, says, be strong, fear not, behold your God. He will come and save you. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him 
graciously give us all things. We've got to get to the right object, y'all. The object of our fear and faith needs to be in Him. Romans 8, 38 and 39, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then a scripture that if you've been at Christian Renewal for a while, you'll be familiar with this one. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock. Fear not, little flock. For it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then in Mark um, 5.36, Do not fear, only believe. Through fear, He will teach us faith. If the object of our fear is the right object, our Lord, then we'll be back to, if I, if I feared more, I would love more. Both God and man. If I feared less, I would love more. Both God and man. What about you? What fears are wrecking your life right now? And when you find yourself riddled by fear, what do you do? You know, I mentioned those times at Skylark when I recognized that I've got fear and and faith in the wrong place. And by the grace of God, I come to a place where I just get on my knees and say, Lord, I was in the wrong place. Or wherever I'm sitting, Lord, I was in the wrong place. Lord, you're, you're the provider. You're the one that's going to care for me. You, you are going to handle whatever situation I find myself in. And I begin to focus on Him. Who is the object of your faith? Do you turn to the Lord in your misplaced fear? Do you focus your fear on the one who should be respected, honored, revered, and really feared? See, if you don't know Him, that's your first step. And I want to invite you to do that, to put your trust in Him. And we have some places um, where you can connect, um, click and connect, and our pastors will be glad to follow up with you. And if you're, if the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart and you're recognizing, wow, I, I need Jesus, I need Him to be the Lord and Master of my life, then that's the right thing to do. Take a next step, click, and let our pastors know, and we'll contact you and pray with you so that you can receive the Lord. I'd like to pray for you now, if you don't mind. I'd like to pray for the little flock, whatever you're experiencing right now, that you would be able to make sure the object of your faith is our Lord Almighty. If you've not received Christ, the first step is to say, Lord, I need you. I recognize myself as a sinner. And so would you pray that with me? Lord, I recognize that without you I'm nothing. Lord, I recognize in the midst of the fears and all the struggles I've had in my life, I've never turned to the one who can help me. And so, Lord, I choose today to put my trust in you so that I can know you. I choose to put my respect and my honor and all my focus on you, the Lord, 
Jesus Christ. And say, Lord, be ma- I say, Lord, be master and savior of my life. I thank you. And Lord, for all of us, we're, we all face our struggles here and there. And Lord, for anybody right now who's experiencing any situation where they've allowed the object of their fear to be something other than you, where they've allowed the object of their faith to be something other than you, I ask, Lord, that they would be able to allocate faith over fear right now and say, Lord, be the master of this situation. I choose to surrender it to you, Lord. I choose to let it go. I choose to grab that thing that's gnawing my brain out. I grab it right now and I release it to you. The thing that's grabbing and gnawing my heart right now, I grab it and I release it to you. And I say, Lord, be the Lord and master of whatever situation I face. And I give you praise for doing that for everyone who's hearing this message. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing a work in all of our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Well, thanks, y'all. I hope the Lord used that in your, in your life and will use it in the next coming days to help you allocate faith over fear. And uh, for the folks in our church that have been with us for years, we, I want to ask um, the high priestly blessing over you. So I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. I pray the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. I pray the Lord lift up the, His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Thanks so much for being with us this week. God bless you. Have the best week you could ever have. Love you, miss you. Going to give you a virtual hug and look forward to seeing you soon.